Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Passing Shot with Joel and Kim, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. On today's Miami Open catch-up. Medvedev continues his march back to the top of the rankings. Osaka sets up a Collins quarterfinal. And Joe Salisbury is set to become the new world doubles number one. Kim, today is the 29th of March and we are here to take a look back on all the action so far at the Miami Open at Passing Shot HQ. We have our quarterfinals lined up for the women and we're getting there with the men. We've got round four action going on today. So we're going to be looking back on all of the, the drama so far. But of course, the biggest drama, which we devoted an episode to, is the Ash Barty drama. Ash Barty retired from tennis. Uh, you weren't available uh, for our emergency podcast. So Chris came into HQ, into the hot seat. Are you, you know, now that you've had time to, to digest the news, are you, how are you feeling about it? Are you, are you over it? Are we, have we moved on now or are you still, are you still in a state of shock? <laughs> a state of shock yeah I did wake up to a whatsapp from you at like 5 a.m going ash Barty question mark Kim everyone woke up at 5 a.m with a, a whatsapp message from me about it <laughs> I was like what are you talking about and then I you know quickly did a, a twitter check and you know fortunately I mean obviously it's sad to see her retire and, and leave the sport but you know I was thinking oh gosh something really terrible happened and um, but the big thanks to Chris for stepping in sorry I wasn't available but thank you to friend of the podcast Chris for joining uh Joel for that uh yeah emergency podcast definitely took us all by surprise but I guess on reflection some of you know the comments that she's made in the past and you know we've seen it kind of from her before when she went off to, to play cricket for two years you know her idea of what she wanted from a tennis career what she wanted to achieve you know is different to perhaps other players who are in it for the long haul and want to win 30 slams and counting you know people have different um aspirations and I guess you know you can't we can't judge if, if if they don't meet the kind of norm or the convention and you know she's had a, a, a remarkable career albeit you know shorter than most but there's still time if she wants to come back but I just wish her well in, in what she does decide to do now and you know it wouldn't surprise me if we do see her sort of playing another sport professionally at some point you know she's done tennis she's done cricket um I think she's she's quite a fan of golf uh you know but we could soon see her elsewhere that's where I was sort of landing on but Chris did point out to me you know she did talk about you know this is the end of Ash Barty the athlete so who knows who knows where her next steps are we don't know so we're not gonna we're not gonna dwell on that too much what we are gonna dwell on though is the sunshine double the second part of it Miami Open 
it's going on at the moment and uh, yeah, we're going to look forward or look back on all the men's action so far as well as all the women's action and we are also going to be talking about the uh, we're going to be also going into Hollywood aren't we Kim as well to talk about King Richard I know there's been some controversy with with Will Smith as well but we're also going to react to that news but um, yeah let's start with the men's action uh, stories from the top half of the draw Daniel Medvedev the top seed he was at Indian Wells, didn't have the, the grace of times, lost his world number one ranking to a dormant Novak Djokovic. But um, yeah, he's, he's coming through the draw quite nicely. A few comfortable victories. Annoyingly comfortable, I think. His first match was against Andy Murray, who had a good win uh, against Del Bonice in the first round. But uh, Murray's still finding it very elusive, I think, to get back-to-back victories uh, on the ATP Tour. It always feels like he has one win, one loss move on to the next tournament, take the next wild card. And unfortunately, Miami was uh, the same. And yeah, for Medvedev, yeah, it feels like he's back on back on familiar ground. He's looked, I think he's looked very, very sharp. And yeah, he's got a match coming up with Jensen Brooksby after coming through Andy Murray and then Pedro Martinez in the, in the third round. You've been quite rude about Pedro Martinez today, Joel. Uh, <laughs> listeners, beware. Joel has said, how did Pedro Martinez get to the third round of, uh, you know, a big Masters event? And Look, you know, Kim, we're not on the golden player. swing here. We're not on the golden <laughs> swing here. It, any, it just felt, it just didn't feel right uh, to, yeah, to have, to have his name. But I mean, fair play, you know. He, uh, you know, he came through against Struth and then he took out Christian Garin as well. I mean... Yeah, quite quite decent, but yeah, he wasn't he wasn't really much match for for Medvedev. But uh, yeah, maybe Brooksby will give him a lot closer run for his money potentially. Yeah, I mean, I think with Jensen Brooksby, I've 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 personally gone off him quite a bit uh, as a result of the incident that we saw uh, in his previous match. Well, against um, Federico Correa, yeah, his first match where he you know threw his racket down in frustration as many players do, uh, but, you know, it's kind of similar to the Kyrgios thing uh, in Indian Wells. It, the racket went towards the ball boy who had to to dodge it uh, to avoid being hit by it. And, um, you know, Corey was saying, like, this should be an instant default. You know, this is a, like, really potentially could have been dangerous. Uh, the umpire in question, uh, Carlos Bernardes gave him a point penalty for unsportsmanlike conduct. I think it was his second of the match, but there was no default. Brooksby ended up winning in three sets, uh, gave a sort of very PR kind of, you know, response apology stage, on social media afterwards. But, you know, I just think like we're seeing more and more of these incidents. You know, we had Kyrgios, we've got this. Um, obviously, we had Novak Djokovic at the US Open that time. Um, the, the Sasha Zverev, um, you know, it, it's just like it seems to be escalating rather than going the other way. And it just I can't I just can't tolerate it anymore. We see so many sort of fake apologies, these mindless kind of moments of violence. And I just think it's not on. And personally, I, I agree with Corey. I don't think he should be in the tournament still. Yeah, I think he can count himself lucky that he is uh, in the tournament. Yes, uh, you know, he is playing he is playing very very good tennis and he had a very very good win, um, you know, real battle against Bautista Agut to get to the the fourth round to face Medvedev, but yeah, I think I have to I have to agree with you. I I think when he threw that racket, 
I don't think, you know, just because the ball boy didn't get injured or didn't have a severe injury because of, uh, you know, the, the racket throw, I don't think that for me is grounds for it not being a not being a default. I think if it if it hits someone or, you know, uh, someone has to get out of the way um, of it, then I think there should be there should be repercussions. And I think in that match, I don't think he would have had any arguments against, um, you know, being being defaulted to be quite honest with you I don't think he had much kind of grounds to to stand upon and I think the thing for me that I think I've seen you know given these these situations you know with with Zarev as well it just doesn't feel like the repercussions have been have been stern enough and as a result of that we're just sort of letting these situations go and you know that is obviously not a good look for the tour and I think it also it's just not a, it's just not how you want the you know the the feeling of the tennis court you know if there are ball kids on the court line judges they want to feel you know they want to feel safe and be focused on their job they don't want to be thinking about oh what's this player going to do am I gonna have to get out of the way that should not be you know front of their mind at the moment but I feel like with these instances that keep recurring it's hard I feel for these these people you know whose you know line of work is is in tennis and is on the tennis court very much like a you know a professional tennis player is um but yeah I, I just don't think they should be having to have this on you know front of mind at the moment and it's hard it's hard for me not to think that it is given all the examples that we've seen uh recently I mean imagine if it was the other way around and a ball kid you know decided to just like throw a ball, throw a ball directly yeah. at a player or pick up their water bottle and like hurl it at them at the change of ends you know the the supervisor of the ball kids would instantly remove that ball kid uh you know, from their position and they'd probably, you know, be sacked and not allowed on a tennis court again. So why should it be, you know, any different just because you've got this sort of player in a position of, you know, I guess some sort of authority or, you know, they're highly ranked tennis player. They've got lots of fans around the world, cameras on them. You know, you need to stamp down on it. And at the moment, they, they're getting away pretty scot-free. You know, a lot of these players, a fine isn't really going to hurt them too much financially. They've got enough money you know twenty thousand dollars here and there isn't you know they'll probably accept that but if it results in them you know missing the rest of the tournament then that's a much more uh meaningful punishment and it is kind of tiresome that we I feel like we're talking about this at almost every episode but it detracts from the tennis it detracts from the the game and its integrity and you know it's just it's not something you, you know we want to see we, we like to see and um you know some players seem to be more you know, perpetrating this this more than others, and so yeah. I mean, I, I imagine Medvedev will will beat Brooksby uh, later on, but I think you know because it seems that Medvedev is kind of back uh, going, you know, quite smoothly so far through the draw. But you know, perhaps hasn't really been fully tested, of course. Yeah. yeah. No offense, to Andy Murray. <laughs> no, I'm, yeah. I mean, it was a bit. Yeah, that. I mean, the Murray match was a bit frustrating. Uh, you know, a lot of the. Murray detractors will point to the fact that, you know, he, Kim, has now received 51 wildcards for playing in tournaments, which is considerably uh, top amongst active players. The, the second most wildcards is Jack Sock with 38 wildcards, along with Ryan Harrison as well. Garmon feet on 33 wildcards. So, well, I think we are getting closer to that point where, you know, when does this become, when does this become a bit silly? Um, you know, if you can't win 
back-to-back matches on the ATP tour. Yes, there was still, you know, the flourishes of, of old, I think, in that match against Medvedev, particularly on the run. Uh, you know, his his running forehand looked in, in great shape. But um, yeah, if it, it's it's getting to a point, I feel like, yes, um, you know, Ivan Lendl has come on board and, you know, they've got a nice... I think block of time now. Um, you know, Murray's not playing the you know the clay swing. He's going to be focusing fully on you know the grass court season. And you know, with with Lendl, someone who he's worked with before, you know, it's now I think time to just make for almost in my head this is the this is the last stand or this is the this is the moment where it needs to come to fruition. Um, you know, he's been on the tour this season. He's had some great matches. He's put in some great performances. Now with Lendl, um, you know, in his corner, hopefully they can, um, you know, get him back to a point where when we get into that grass court season, he can really, you know, really do some damage. Because I do still think the, you know, the belief and the ability is there, but, you know, the results are not just coming for him um, as easily at the moment. And the more and more wild cards he takes, the longer and longer this goes on, there are going to be, I think, I imagine there are going to be more and more people thinking, Sadly, there's going to be a time when it gets to a point where he's like, "Well, is it when 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 are you not going to take any any more wild cards?" So, you know, we will we will have to see. But he, yeah, it was uh, you know, it was a good performance from Murray. Again, he had a nice win against Del Bonis in the first round. But um, Medvedev, as you you know, would imagine, top seed, point to prove, wants to get back to world number one. Just um, you know, too much too much to handle. I mean. Kim, he's got Brooksby, and then I think he needs to beat. It'll either be Herkaj or Lloyd Harris to reclaim the world number one spot. Do you see any? Do you see any potential issues there? Do you see headlines by the end of the week? Medvedev back to world number one. Yeah, I think Medvedev was likely to come through. I mean, Herkaj is the defending champion here, yeah. so seemingly he enjoys these courts, but. I think Medvedev is the most likely and, you know, we'll have two new world number ones uh, starting uh, as of next week, I suppose. But yeah, I think there could be a few three setters in there. Um, you know, Herkaj came through Karatsev in three sets the other day and, you know, Harris has had a, a you know, three setter. So I imagine it'll be Herkaj Medvedev, but um, yeah, it could go three sets. I think Medvedev will have the edge. Um, as for the bottom section of, of the top half, got a really kind of actually quite exciting section, I think. Sits pass against Alcaraz and then the man of the moment, Taylor Fritz, against another guy who's doing really quite well at the moment, Kekmanovic. Had some really good results, did really well in Indian Wells. Um, I think they actually played in Indian Wells and Fritz won in three sets. Yeah, so... I imagine Fritz, unless you know, if he's still feeling good in in his body, would would come through. So it could we could have a perhaps a Fritz Alcaraz uh, quarter. Ooh, you back in be... Alcaraz over over Sissipas? Well, I mean, I I think so. Yeah, um, interesting. I mean, I would have said that. You know, I would have said that. Yeah, a few weeks ago, but I think Sissipas this tournament has really. I think has really upped his his game. Given you know what I've I've seen, I think he had a quite a nice victory against Dumanor, who, yes, he's a sp- quite a speed demon around the court, didn't really work as much for Sissipas, who I thought was playing, yeah, some of the best tennis I feel I've seen him play this season. I still think someone like Zverev is still maybe stuttering along a little bit, but I think Sissipas here, he had, again, another good win against JJ Wolf in the second round in, in three sets. And yeah, I think that could be quite tasty. I mean, they obviously had that, epic epic match at the US Open 
which went five sets uh, with Alcaraz winning. Uh, but I'm not. I'm not so sure, Kim. This time around, I think Sissipas. I think he's he's very motivated, and I've, I've liked what I've seen of him so far. Yes, Alcaraz is also playing great tennis and had a great win against Chilich uh, in, in straight sets. But uh, yeah, I mean that could very well easily be the you know the pick of the ties. I think certainly from this top this top half. Yeah, I think so. And it reminds me of their match at the was it the US Open last year where where Alcaraz won mm. in in that five set thriller. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know they've they've got form, they've got previous. Um, so very much looking forward to that. In the bottom half, we've got, um, well, at the moment, as we're recording this, Nick Kyrgios against Yannick Sinner in a first set tie break. Um, Sinner's really battled his way through this tournament. He's been saving a lot of match points, uh, <laughs> as you do. I mean, he's the defending finalist of, of this tournament. So he obviously also likes these courts. But yeah, he's had tough wins against Savori and PCB. That PCB victory was incredible, wasn't it? I think he yeah. was, what, four love down, I think, or he was very far behind in that third set and came storming back. And yeah, against, you know, an experienced competitor like Karenia Busta, I was quite surprised how much Karenia Busta let it slip. But at the same time, I think Sinner upped his level and that was a very, very, very good win. But again, yes, they're in, in a tie break at the moment. But yeah, Nick Kyrgios has been also playing some very, very, very handy tennis this week. Came against, came through Rublev, Kim, who's been don't, in great form. Don't. I had Rublev down to win that one. I know. <laughs> I think I had Rublev in like the final or something, um, or going quite deep because he was going to get through Kyrgios. And then, you know, he got absolutely thrashed. So I, I was not happy about that result. Um, yeah, Kyrgios in, in decent form, then came through Fognini. I know Kyrgios obviously has his his detractors. And, you know, we've got to, again, we've got to remember, his only, Tim, his only two losses this season have been against Medvedev and Nadal. And, you know, Rublev was in, in great form coming into this this tournament. Um, and he just wiped the floor of him. 6-3, 6 love. Thank you very much. And again, he he's another player who looks very, very motivated. And he didn't let the, I think, the the antics and the character of, of Fabio Fognini also get in his way with another straight sets victory. Um, you know, I think Yannick Sinner obviously is the first, I think, real, real test. I mean, as you said, Sinner is 5-3 up in the first set tiebreak at the moment. I'm already, Kim, thinking about, well, that's better than that tiebreak he played against, uh, what was it, against Nadal when he lost it. Seven love. <laughs> seven love in the, yeah, seven love in that first set tiebreak. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's quite, for me, quite nice to see Kyrgios, you know, here. Yes, there are people who will say, I think, that he might be counting his lucky stars again that he is in this tournament, um, given his antics in... Uh, in Indian Wells, but uh, you know he's making the most of it, and I hope we see more of him this season. It seems that you know that certainly that doubles win I think at the Australian Open is really I think you know I don't think it's a stretch to say I feel like it's at the moment sort of rejuvenating his career because I thought he was just sort of dwindling and you know wasn't really knowing what to expect you know what was his motivation like, but I certainly think that you know that since that win with Kokinakis at the Australian Open, the men's doubles, which again, for me, came out of nowhere. I think a lot of people were just a bit like, when he lost in the singles, were like, what's your next tournament going to be? But he was more like, uh, I'm still in the doubles here. And I think since that, he's just shown some of the, the best tennis I think we've seen so far. So I think from my point of view, from the tennis point of view, it's great, I think, to see that consistency 
that we just never really associate with Nick Kyrgios. And yeah, I think it's coming to fruition at the moment in the uh, the Sunshine Double. Well, there's also consistency in the sense that he's still smashing <laughs> his rackets yeah, and getting true. getting yeah. annoyed. I, I, as I glanced at my screen a minute ago, he was uh, smashing his racket. But actually, <laughs> interestingly, you know, Sinner is one of those players that's very calm and composed. And I do wonder if Nick gets more frustrated against those players, you know, like Rafa. Polar and, opposites. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because yeah, he sort of thinks, oh, I'm not ruffling their feathers. Um, whereas someone, if he was to play a Jensen Brooksby or, you know, equivalent, they could have a right old, you know, racket fest um but yeah it's as soon as taken that time i was sort of hoping that was going to happen in kyrios fornini because you would have thought Mm, those two those two characters on a court that could have that could have been fireworks but you know kyrios sort of diffused diffused the situation but yeah he has probably gone from polar opposites in terms of yeah fornini to sinner um yeah in terms of those how they i think they approach the yeah how they approach the game Fonini's quite a flair player, isn't he, mm. as well? So it's he's either on <laughs> or, or not. Um, but, you know, other, other Australian has done quite well this tournament, Kokinakis. He's, he has lost to Sasha Zverev uh, just, just today, but, you know, made it through to the fourth round. So, you know, decent performance in the singles from him and obviously doing doing well in the doubles with Kyrgios. I know him and Kyrgios had a walkover against uh, Rublev and I think Karatsev in the doubles, but they're, they're still in it. Um, other... Unfortunate result. Uh, Cam Norrie has lost to Casper Reed in straight sets, but seemingly hampered by calf injury. So um, perhaps you know not quite at his um, at his physical best, and some sort of explanation for for that loss. Uh, but yeah, decent win for Casper Reed. And then I know Joel, you, you were quite gutted because you were really looking forward to a possible. Serendolo matchup um, in another of the know, fourth round. The brothers could have faced off. <laughs> but... Brothers could have faced And also, Kim, they could have faced off in a hard court tournament. I know, not have... the clay. In... Hang on. A hard court tournament in round four at a Masters event. Like, who would have, <laughs> who potentially would have picked that out? Well, them and Pedro Martinez doing really <laughs> well on a hard court. Um, yeah, Juan Manuel lost to France's TFO. So only Francisco has made it through. But perhaps he'll, uh, you know, go on a... Well, he came through a Pelka, actually, but I know a Pelka retired. But perhaps he'll uh, continue his pursuit. He, he came through Monfils in straight sets. So, yeah, good, good on him. <laughs> I think TFO maybe goes in a little bit as a favourite, I think, given his experience. I think particularly on on hard courts and I think the way Tiafo finished last season I don't think he necessarily started it like that this season but it certainly seems that he's rediscovered um some form but uh yeah the fact that that Francisco Serendolo has got to round four suggests that maybe he is not just a player for the golden swing maybe he is a he can ply his trade on the hard courts as well on the the at, at an ATP level um elsewhere Kim I, I wanted to talk about Casper Ruud Alexander Bublik because in their match I mean the match was a bit of a non-event to be honest but it will always I think forever be remembered as the match Alexander Bublik I don't know if you saw this I don't know if any of our listeners saw this um Kasper Rude went up for a lob it landed like mid-court and Alexander Bublik I think he was you know he was he was he was very much down in the in the match and he felt like he was going to he was going to lose it he turned his racket 180 degrees and played a smash with the butt of his racket he played it with the handle and he ended up doing like this handle smash drop shot 
which Rude did get to, but he uh, it then set him up to uh, win the point on a smash. And uh, I had never... Apparently, it's ha- it has happened before. Cedric Pearlene apparently did it ages ages and ages ago, but I had never seen this before, uh, and I absolutely loved it. And I thought Rude... Rude, I think, loved it as well. I think he gave him a little a little fist bump during the uh, the match. And he said he said at the end to Bublik, at least you have two or three hot shots. You will be on tennis TV like always. And I, I like to think Alexander Bublik, Kim, is is he's in the Gael Monfils way of tennis in the sense that he's playing really, really well. But he's also got the fans in mind and he wants to he wants to throw out a few hot shots. And if in his I think in his head success on a tennis court if it is in his head how many hot shots i can provide to tennis tv i think we're all in a in a very good place yeah i mean same as you i hadn't <laughs> seen that particular maneuver before uh very impressive uh you've got to do what you've got to do sometimes but yeah that will certainly go on the highlights reel for quite some time so if you haven't already seen it listeners then defo check that one out um yeah and all thanks to public for providing that entertainment and uh, and finally, Kim, we also had Jack Draper uh, from British Interest get to round two. Yes, Cam Norrie came through that in quite a, a competitive um, two sets. But uh, yeah, I think pretty, pretty good showing from Jack Draper on a wild card. Beat Gilles Simon um, in straight sets, 7-6-6-1. Um, he's sort of plying his trade, I feel, at the moment on the on the Challenger Tour, just sort of like there under the surface waiting waiting for his moment i feel like what i saw against simon and to be honest what i saw against nori i feel like his moment's coming i feel like he can you know he's getting his ranking up now i think he can start to look at i think certainly qualifying for 250s trying to get into those main draws i certainly think now's potentially the opportunity coming up for him to yeah to step up i think to the to the top level and I'm hoping that match against Nori gave him the confidence and the the realization that you know he is ready for that yes they you know they played you know they played each other last year I think in the, the quarterfinals um at Queens but the fact that this was a Masters 1000 event getting his first Masters 1000 win um under his belt I certainly think that his time his time should be coming soon I think yeah he's uh, been really good this year like on the challenge mm. tour winning three titles so yeah. I think a nice reward, you know, is sort of that win, you know, this week in Miami getting to play Norrie on on a bigger stage than when they met at Queen's and um, just more more experience and, you know, definitely a better experience than his last Miami (laughs) event when he had to, you know, retire with all that heat and dizziness and collapsing. So, um, yeah, good stuff from Draper and like, let's hope he can see continue going up, up in the rankings. I mean, one Brit who is going to be at the very top of the rankings next week, Joel, is Joe Salisbury, who uh, from the 4th of April next Monday is going to be the British, well, sorry, he's going to be the world number one and also the British number one, funnily enough, uh, in the doubles, men's doubles. Um, this is, you know, brilliant news. It's very well deserved. You know, Salisbury's been at the top of the doubles game for you know, a good few years now and to be at the very top position, I think, is is just rewards for, for all the hard work he's been putting in. He will replace Mate Pavic. Um, him and Mektic haven't been doing so well of late, so obviously gone down uh, in the ranking points a bit. But yeah, fantastic for Joe. Uh, really pleased for him. And only the third British world number one, I think, after obviously both Murray brothers. So um, really fantastic. 
yeah it's uh you know it's an amazing achievement i actually think it's gone under the radar um a little bit um, unfortunately given you know other big news in in the tennis world going on i feel like at the same time um but certainly i think this is an opportunity i know we talk about emma radicanu in the uk as like the next big british hope that could you know galvanize um you know galvanize uh tennis but i think we've got to remember that there are other individuals out there at the moment uh obviously andy murray jamie murray cam norrie and i think we've got to make that we you know certainly we've got to make the most of joe salisbury becoming another world number one in doubles doubles is a massive you know part of of the game particularly in terms of kind of participation social tennis as well and um yeah really great to see him i think um you know rise to the, the top of the rankings and it's really interesting to read you know, some of his comments about his journey, you know, up to, you know, doubles number one, because, you know, he played, uh, you know, he did the the college system, uh, you know, played tennis uh, for university in America, came back to the UK, was playing, I think, at the, the Roehampton Club uh, opposite the uh, the National Tennis Centre in Roehampton. And um, I think he, you know, he had this realisation that, you know, he wasn't one of the top players with, you know, with top prospects and, he reached a point even quite early on. I think he was talking about, you know, futures level where he said, you know, sometimes when I was playing futures level, I wasn't sure if I wanted to keep going playing challenges. I still wasn't earning any money. Fortunately, I had really supportive parents who really believed in me and saw some of the potential. So really interesting to like hear his story about how, you know, he started playing singles and you know, he just kind of got to a realization that he wasn't, you know, wasn't good enough. You know, it was disappointing, I think, to hear his comments, things I feel like we already know about the, the challenger circuit in terms of, you know, how little money you, you do make and how, you know, that could potentially, you know, stop someone playing altogether. But I'm glad that, you know, he found another route in terms of doubles and he found a partner like Rajiv Ram, who, you know, was as motivated as, as him. They've formed a really great partnership, you know, three and a half years ago now, I think. And, um, yeah, it's been uh, great to see their, you know, it's been great to see their rise because, you know, I think we were, you know, talking about it was more, I think, just us focusing on on Jamie Murray and, and Bruno Suarez back in back all those years ago. But Joe Salisbury certainly, I think, muscled in and is part of the conversation. And yeah, he's just uh, he's just he's just in a very very good place at the moment. Still in Miami, so I'm hoping he can sort of keep the keep the focus on the, on the tournament. But um, yeah great to have in the back in the mind that come the next rankings release you're going to be world world doubles number one it's as i said it, it's so i'm really pleased with joe and he does go under the radar uh, as doubles mm. does generally so um yeah really really pleased for him i mean sorry to go back to nick kyrgios he's just got a game penalty um i know we're not doing live updates this isn't a live update podcast i haven't seen what he did but i've just um seen on you know twitter that carlos bernardos has given him a game penalty so and now he's love 40 on yannick's <laughs> in the serve wow okay well there we go um we'll have to see how that pans <laughs> out but um let's take a quick break now uh, do join us in the second half where we'll be looking back at the women's results so far from miami including naomi osaka getting back to her best uh danielle collins returning to the tour with a bang and shvontek continuing to dish out those bagels so do not go anywhere
Welcome back to The Passing Shot with Joel and Kim, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. And now we're going to move on to all the women's action. Uh, let's begin with the top half of the draw. Um, I think, you know, my prediction that Daria Saville was going to do mm. quite well at this tournament has, has come yes. to fruition. Very she's um, made it her way into the quarterfinals. Uh, she's got one against Bencic um due shortly um so she's you know battled her way through to some extent but um also did make use of the Sinyakova uh sort of retirement uh, as well in her um third round match I think it was um but I mean in this section we've also got Naomi Osaka against Danielle Collins lined up which is perhaps the the most exciting uh quarterfinal you know recent Australian Open finalist versus you know four-time slam champ seemingly Osaka is back back in in form um how have you sort of found her performances so far this week yeah, I've been really impressed with Naomi Osaka this week. She's not dropped a set all the way through to the fourth round. She's enjoying her tennis. She, yeah, has looked looked like her old self, I think. And I didn't, you know, obviously I didn't think we saw that in, in Indian Wells. It felt, you know, as I said, her, you know, her mindset and she was feeling very fragile and it felt like, I don't know, she was just going to break it, break at any point. And um you know, I think this week, you know, we've just seen her her tennis do the talking, really. And I think, you know, she's spoken about in her press conferences, her accepting a, a sports psychologist to come on board, who I think has shown her a few techniques, which I think is obviously, it looks like it's already paying dividends in terms of having a, a fresh mindset. I don't know why it's, I don't know why it's taken this long, or she's just sort of chose to this moment to kind of talk about this. But um, I think it's certainly great to see her kind of working in uh, hearing those words that she's working on her, her mental game, as I said, it looks like it's it's doing really, really well at the moment. But also on the tennis court as well, she's just she's just I think just been able to focus on putting together great matches in in sequence, and particularly that match against Angie Kerber in the second round, I thought was quite interesting because she got a bit angry uh, with Caroline Wozniacki, who predicted that Kerber would come through uh, this section of the draw. And she was not particularly happy about that. She, I think, tweeted about she was watching Tennis Channel the other day and she, uh, yeah, heard Caroline Wozniacki was commentating and they were like, oh, who do you think is going to make it out of this section? She's like, I think Kerber and Fernandez are going to play each other. And Asaka was not happy with that, was she? She got, she sounds like she got a little bit raw by that. And, um, you know, I think, you know, obviously Wozniacki has a, you know, has it? You know, can have her thoughts and and stuff. But yeah, Osaka certainly had other ideas, and yeah, it really I think brought the best out of her with how yeah how she handled Kerber on the tennis court. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't disagree with with Caroline Wozniak. I think that's sort of a reasonable assessment. <laughs> I think that was a fair comment, to be honest. Yeah, after, yeah. after Indian Wells, and I quite like how Osaka's kind of reacted. I think to it because I think I think you know I think we know Osaka as someone who I like likes to you know, exist in their own bubble and and kind of has their own sort of like approach to everything that can quite can seem quite distant. Um but at the same time I think, you know, she is very much in tune with reality. And I like these moments where she like obviously interacts with what is going on at the moment. And I like the idea of her kind of watching yeah tennis channel and then calling Caroline Wozniak calling Caroline Wozniacki out on it 
and then going to do the business against Kerber. It was just, uh, yeah, it was just a funny sight to see. But uh, yeah, she's definitely, definitely playing very good tennis at the moment. But but so is you know Kim, so is Danielle Collins, who again had a, I thought a very very good win against Anjabur, um in straight sets. Um, she obviously has had a few kind of. Uh, struggles recently she's not been on the tour as much I think as she probably would have liked but she's certainly come back with a bang yeah I think this will be a really entertaining matchup and I mean Collins you know at the moment is the higher ranked player with most recent you know better form but I mean for Osaka this is only the second time essentially in a year that she's actually won three consecutive matches so it's um perhaps I, I don't know if it's the start or something you know because we never really know, do we? But, um, you know, she won three matches back in Melbourne where, before that. Where, where are you leaning? Where are you leaning? Oh, I'm going to say Osaka, actually. Um, if she has got to this stage, I feel she can go further. Um, it was either, I think, out in the first round to Kerber, well, second round to Kerber, or going deep, mm, perhaps. Yep. Um, I could see her making the final, actually. If you look at the other quarter between Benchich and Savile, um, you know, Benchich is hot and cold sometimes, but has seems to have been playing well. That quarter has been blown wide. I mean, that quarter was blown wide open very early on in the, on the tournament. Sabalenka top seed losing to Begu. You had also Plishkova losing to Kalinina. Radikanu, unfortunately as well, losing to, to Sinyakova. Frustrating that match, wasn't it, Joel? She yeah. was 6-1, 3-1 up. Oh, sorry, 6-3. Sorry, six, three one up you know seemed to be quite comfortable but very similar to the match against um oh gosh who was it against an Indian Wells where she was um a set in a breakup I can't remember now um Petra Martic and um you know just really frustrating like as the, the the match wore on just losing focus just going off the ball and you know she's starting to do that more often than not now so I feel like she really needs to to regroup it sounds like she's starting her matches really well and, and really positively. And I think we've, we've seen that, you know, based on, based on, you know, what I've seen in the, the, the sunshine double in Indian Wells and Miami. Yeah. She started, I think really well, but yeah, there seems to be that focus dip. And, you know, I, I agree. I think, you know, against Sinyakova, I think it was hard to keep focus because, you know, in that first set, it was very strange because Sinyakova was, was, uh, you know, she had called on the, um, trainer she was in tears i thought she was going to retire at, at one point um but she continued and you know at, at this you know at the start radicani didn't let that affect her but slowly you know sinyakova clawed her way into the match and i think you know radicani obviously is on this uh you know learning experience you know, every match is a you know part of her part of her journey all of that sort of stuff but you know, I think one thing she's going to need to work on is is being able to close out matches because she seems to be developing leads or you know being in positions where she's can serve out the match and it's not it's not resulting in her winning. Um, and I'm I'm quite surprised by that because you know she won the U.S. Open where you know she had the you know she had pressure moments. You know, being in a U.S. Open U.S. Open final as a as a teenager, that is some of the biggest pressure to take of all. But it seems at the moment in the matches themselves, yeah, the pressure maybe is, is getting to her a, a little bit. And, um, you know, in her press match conference as well, you know, she talked about the, you know, the, the sponsorships and, 
you know a lot of the her detractors talking about how she's you know got more sponsorships now than wta tour victories this season and um you know i I obviously don't you know she shouldn't obviously let that get to her and and focus on her tennis but i think she's well aware that you know the more of these results happen the more and more i think that you know noise is going to come up particularly when we see brands like porsche announce that um you know radicani has been signed up as a, a brand ambassador british airways whoever it is the more we hear about that the more i think it's gonna creep up i think when we look at radicani's matches fairly or unfairly in relation to you know when she loses yeah i mean you've got to think what would you do in her situation mm. uh in terms oh of yeah i wouldn't do anything different exactly. i wouldn't do anything different you kind of got to make ends meet you want to like put yourself mm. out there it's all part of the the lifestyle and the tour being in that position and you know soaking it up and i hope that the pressure isn't you know all this sort of fame and, and and fortune you know that's come her way you know perhaps that plays on her mind when she now steps onto court was the US Open obviously it was just so unexpected but now going into these matches she's pretty much always the higher seed the higher ranked um, and she seems to start well but just not be able to get over the finish line so I think she's gonna have to sort of rethink what she's doing and obviously she's now working um you know with her her new coach well it's been you know a few few weeks months but perhaps in time we'll start to see see that um that change in motion I mean Heather Watson just talking about the Brits she had another really good win actually um two weeks in a row she's had some good wins uh she came through against Vitalina in a last set tie break but um then lost against uh Belinda Bencic um which is you know totally kind of fair dues. <laughs> um, and talking about Svitolina, she's just sort of announced, hasn't she, that she's taking um, a bit of time away from the court. Uh, she's been struggling with her back and obviously everything going on in Ukraine um, needs a bit of time out from the game, which is, again, completely understandable. And, um, you know, I just wish her well while she's uh, taking that that time that she needs. Um, a lot of Ukrainian players, obviously, struggling um as as you can understand so um just i hope that there is support there you know for them um should well should they need it which i'm I'm sure they do um i mean let's look at the bottom half of the women's draw as well we've got uh inform iga shvontek and new world number one uh she will become world number one uh next week uh i think ash barty's points are all going to be removed uh so the rankings will update and Svantec will uh be the new new world number one which is yeah remarkable really um mm. she has it's been thrusted upon her hasn't yeah, it yeah exactly and i yeah she's obviously at this time two years ago she hadn't won a slam she was sort of ranked in the 50s in the world and and she was tipped to be a future you know top player but I don't think we would have necessarily thought that it would have happened so soon. Uh, she's got Kvitova in the quarters and we've also got Paola Badosa against Jessica Pagula. Um, so, yeah, that's... Uh, I expect Sviontek to come through that. I think probably will be a badosa Sviontek semi uh, from that section. Yeah, Iga Sviontek, you know, coming and ready to take the, you know, the number one mantle. And I think it was interesting to hear kind of her comments and relate it to, you know, her winning the French Open, winning Roland Garros, where you know, she said quite plainly that, 
after that she didn't really know you know what was going to happen and, and how to handle that and um I think because of that experience that she went through she feels like she is in a much better position now to handle this pressure and expectation yes it is a bit of a, a surprise and it would have been I think a surprise to her um but I think she feels confident that she can handle it you know a, a lot better now given you know those you know those moments she's kind of found herself in 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 the past I mean she spoke about Roland Garros and saying you know afterwards she said after Roland Garros it was really a mess um and I think that's where you know she obviously brought her sports psychologist um to help her um really kind of handle that and I certainly think that is going to be the same situation there and I think she's going to handle it you know very very well I think what's kind of interesting is we're seeing Naomi Osaka I think kind of resurgence uh, a little bit again with the same time sort of you know Ashbarty stepping away from the sport so although I think we've got this immediate heir apparent in in Sviontek in terms of the rankings who's to say Kim that you know in the future Osaka again given you know what we've seen this week if she can kind of continue continue and, and keep it going um I certainly think there's that's another player who is ready I think to to kind of step up and and be counted, which again, I look at I look at some of the players. I particularly look at Sabalenka, for example, who has been the top seed for you know a number of tournaments. It feels like in the last few weeks, but hasn't really able hasn't really been able to kind of handle it. And um, I certainly hope, and I just don't think, yeah, Shvontek will go that sort of way, given the sort of mood she has been in, the, in at the moment with yeah her dishing out kind of bagels breadsticks whatever you want um to whoever you want don't think it's going to be like that against Petra Kvitova but um yeah it's uh yeah it's an interesting interesting times in the on the the WTA tour yeah no I mean Kvitova hasn't really I feel like we haven't seen her get to this sort of stage in a while it's uh she's not someone I've had confidence uh in making you know it's sort of her getting her way through the draws of late but um yeah I think I agree on Shvontek I think she said you know all the work she's been doing with the psychologist she's in a much better place to handle uh the pressure as opposed to immediately after the French Open win um I mean one player you know we're talking about whether think you know players are able to cope and needing time out and, and whatnot you know it, it's it's tricky it's it's a reflection of of just general life isn't it it's, you know tennis players are no different but um one player who's who's quite struggling as well at the moment is uh, Victoria Azarenka she says her personal life's been extremely stressful in recent weeks and um, we saw her just suddenly retire against um the the young Czech Linda Fruvertova um you know she was get she was down sort of a set and three love and Azarenka just suddenly you know shook hands and off she went and basically afterwards said that she should never have played that match um and you know obviously wasn't in a in a fit mental state to do so um so she's going to take a break and have some time away from the game so let's hope that she um also gets the support that she needs and you know we we'll hope to see her back on a, a court um as and when is right for her yeah it was interesting to hear that uh, you know she you could tell she wasn't in a, a good way um you know with her match against Fruvatova um I mean who is by the way looking very like a very good prospect I mean six 16 years old into the fourth round very very good very very good showing but yeah Azarenka I mean she shouted out why am I here to her coaching box so that sounds to me like yeah, maybe there was a little bit of frustration that 
you know, or a difference in opinion about whether to play it. Because, um, yeah, it sounds like she should just not have been out there in the first place. And, uh, yeah, we'll have to see, you know, how long she needs, you know, a- away from the game. Who know, you know, who knows? But, uh, yeah, not, 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 not great to see. And I know some people were talking about the fact that, you know, she lacked respect. She literally just kind of gave her. In my when I was watching it on TV, it looked a little bit like an Irish goodbye. She literally just shook the hand and then left. There was no um, real kind of courtesy, but at the same time, I don't think yeah she should have just she shouldn't have been out there. To me, it was quite clear she wanted to get off the court as quick as possible. So um, yeah, I hope Azarenka can regroup, recalibrate things, um, take that time off that you need, and I think. Again, the tour at the moment is just becoming so, you know, it can be a very stressful environment. It's a very packed calendar. You got to pick your, I think you more and more now, you've got to pick your moments and pick the tournaments you want to play in. Um, so you don't, I think, get over stressed and over, get over frustrated or whatever it is, because yeah, obviously mental health is a big part of it. And, you know, for some players, you know, they, they can struggle with it. And it looks like for Azarenka, yeah, she just needs that time to, to regroup. Yeah, I mean, I know that I don't do my day job as well when I, you know, Mm. feel like I've got a lot of stuff going on. So it's no different for tennis players. And in fact, you know, being on a big stage with cameras and media commitments, it's just even worse, you know, being in that spotlight and then the fame. So um, just one thing, Joel, what's an Irish goodbye? I've never, (laughs) I've never heard of that expression. That's when you silently, that's when you silently leave or you just leave without saying goodbye. Okay, I did not know that. So thank you. <laughs> yes, yeah, so oh, well, I, I, that's what, how I, uh, yeah, interpret an Irish goodbye. But um, yeah, for Azarenka, it just felt like she just wanted to get off the court as quick as possible. And uh, yeah, I mean, she did, she did post uh, a statement afterwards. Um, yeah, saying, you know, I'm sorry to the fans for what happened. As you were great to cheer. T- to cheer for me it was the only reason I decided to step on the court I always look forward to the challenge and pressure of competition but today it was too much I have to and will learn from this I would like to congratulate my opponent and wish her best of luck in this tournament and beginning and the beginning of her professional career so um yeah I mean it was slightly interesting because yeah I, I think a lot of people would have looked at that and saw no physical illness and thought you know six two three love down to a a 16 a 16 year old of course you're going to want to get off the court as, as quick as possible but I certainly think there's more more at play there and um yeah hopefully Azarenka can yeah take take the time to to get herself back fit and firing yeah and from one stage to another Joel um big drama at the weekend with the Oscars uh, out in LA mm. Will Smith uh you know first of all has won the best actor Oscar for his portrayal of Richard Williams in King Richard uh obviously portraying the father of Serena and Venus Williams um you know, it was a, a great acting performance. It's a really good film. Uh, if anyone who is a tennis fan hasn't already seen it, I would encourage you to do so. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, scenes at the Oscars kind of detracted from all that because, well, he sort of went a bit curious in my mind and, uh, yeah, hit uh, Chris Rock. Chris Rock. Um, mm. After Chris Rock made a really inappropriate and, you know, poor poor joke about um Jada Pinkett Smith who's Will Smith's wife so oh yeah more controversy it seems to be happening on court and off I know the male aggression it's just sort of 
sort of feels like it's just transpiring through culture at the moment, whether it's on a tennis court or at a showbiz awards. But um, yeah, I mean, Kim, I'm not going to lie. Putting that to a side, I'm one of those people who have not seen King Richard. So do you do you think it warranted best actor you you think was a good performance? I, I I thought it was a great film. I don't think I've seen any of the other films that were in the same category, uh, you okay. know, in terms of the other males that are up for best um actor. So I I can't compare. <laughs> I haven't seen the other performances, but um yeah, he did portray Richard Williams um very well. I did I did think, but yeah, I have to say the 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 aggression shown at that uh you know uh, ceremony the other day has sort of i guess marred the whole thing for me and also the fact that that venus and serena williams were they were presenting mm. at the the oscars as well which again i think is one of the sort of downsides of of the whole incident was that it sort of overshadowed yeah. tennis tennis at the oscars and yeah, Serena and Vilas were there, Kim. I mean, we always do this when there's a, a fancy award show and we see tennis players in stunning outfits, fashion faves, fashion faux pas. We had some, <laughs> we had some daring gowns on show. I would, I, I saw the headlines talk about in relation to, to yeah, Venus and Serena's outfits. Quite a lot of, cert- of a certain body part on show. Um, <laughs> yeah, for me, Venus, fashion faux pas, but for, for me, Serena, Ooh. fashion fave. So okay. uh, I really like the pink uh, of Serena's dress. I thought it was a very flattering um, sort of uh, lines to it. And I like the sort of flock black uh, sort of flower design uh, and the gloves, the lacy gloves as well. Very nice. Yeah, the gloves, the gloves were a very strong look. And I, you know, I, for me, I think they're both fashion faves, if I'm being quite honest with you. I, I, I quite both, quite like both of them. I think Venus Williams's hair also looked great, but um yeah, it's uh, yeah, it was an interesting, interesting award show. But yeah, great to see. I think tennis take centre stage uh, amid all the controversy. But uh, yeah, we will be back and doing a full roundup of the business end of the Miami Open quarterfinals, semi-finals, and the finals, of course. So I hope you can join us next time for our Miami Open full catch up. In the meantime, listeners, remember to subscribe to The Passing Shot on whatever device you listen to us on. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all good podcasting platforms out there. You can also listen to us on the DownloadTennis.com app. And if you like what you're hearing, then make sure to leave us a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And you can follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at PassingShotPod. So if you don't already, do give us a follow and a like and tell your friends about us as well. Um, you can get in contact with us via all those social channels. Uh, so do drop us a message with any feedback, comments, or queries you've got. Um, but if you prefer, you can email us as well, PassingShotPod at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our website, www.thepassingshot.co.uk. And we will be back next time at Parsley Shot HQ to discuss all the finals action at the Miami Open. So I hope you can join us for that. But in the meantime, it's goodbye from Kim. Goodbye. (laughs) And it's goodbye from me. We will see you again soon.